When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there, listeners. Welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian. You're listening to episode 387 of Sustainable Minimalists, a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist living. On today's show, we're discussing the genderless fashion movement. Oh my goodness, what a big topic. How often do you think about the clothes your children wear? Have you ever wondered whether the implicit and frankly explicit messaging on those t-shirts, for example, influence their behavior? How about influence their development? Fashion is generally broken down into just two differentiations, for boys and for girls. Most stores are literally split down the middle. Girls section with the unicorns and ballerinas and frills and v-necks, that's to the left, and the boys section with the trucks and the angry dinosaurs and the deep moody colors, that's to the right. The problem with such rigid categories is we're putting our children in boxes while simultaneously shaping their behavior. There's some real interesting research to come in today's conversation about that. Speaking of today's conversation, I'm speaking with Anastasia Vasilyeva about genderless clothing, which seeks to break down everything that's wrong with fashion today. And I must say, the goal of today's show is not to get you to toss all of your child's clothing items and replace. That's not the goal. The goal is to start looking critically at the clothing we allow into our homes by first understanding what research finds are the implications of heavily gendered clothing. And if we're looking critically at our children's wardrobes, it makes sense then to think about our own wardrobes as well. When we're buying for ourselves, are we buying what's on the racks just because everybody else is buying that stuff? And if so, why on earth are we following the herd? Special nod to the grandparents today. If you like buying clothes for your grandchildren, heads up, this conversation is for you as well. Anastasia, I'm so thrilled to have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm really excited to be on the show. Well, tell us about yourself. Who are you and what do you do? My name is Anastasia. I'm the founder of Treehouse, and it's a sustainable kids clothing brand that's doing its bit to hopefully completely change the way parents shop. I'm also a mum of two crazy boys. I live in New York City, and I have done for almost 10 years. But before that, I was in the UK. 
Well, again, I'm thrilled to talk to you because I have two daughters and the gendered clothing in the kids' realm. I know it from the girls' area the of side. the store, right? But the gendered clothing is, in my opinion, so out of control. My oldest daughter is nine. She is what I would consider to be a tomboy, and I don't even like that phrase. But I say that to say that she does not want the pinks. She does not want the sequins. She does not want the frills. And so we actually shop often in the boys section because the boys section has her favorite color, which is blue. And so that's what we're talking about today, because from where I'm sitting, it seems to me that the heavily gendered clothing that are in the stores today, that's a marketing gimmick. Yeah, that's a really good point to start on. And in fact, you know, when we talk about gender neutral clothing, the thing we first often talk about is the opposite. What isn't gender neutral clothing? What is gendered clothing? And it's a really good first sort of port of call. And it's really exactly what you say it is. So with your nine-year-old daughter is going to the store and seeing its impact on clothing. And that's not just colors. It's not limited to pink for girls and blue for boys it's actually way beyond that it goes through to the types of prints that you see on traditionally and we're going to use this word a lot and I also don't like it traditionally girly clothing right to the types of fabrics we use that we see used for uh traditionally girly clothing versus uh traditionally boyish clothing to fits and cuts of a garment as well So you'll notice, for example, when you go into the store, clothing that's traditionally meant for girls is oftentimes very close cut. It's tight on the body. There's a lot of leggings when it comes to pants. There's a lot of tightly fitting tops, frilly little cap sleeves, etc. You'll see, uh, for example, the types of fabric used is often maybe tall and sort of sequin fabric, silky type fabrics, whereas for uh, traditional boy clothing, oftentimes we'll see sportswear fabrics. With having girls, you probably don't have this issue, but as a mom of two boys, I can tell you, I often go into a department store and I'll see that 70% of the clothing on offer for my boys is polyester sports fabric because it's assumed that boys will be more active they will be partaking in sports more regularly than girls. And boyish clothing is often boxy in fit or baggy, which is in total contrast with what you see on your section, uh, your aisle that you go to when you go shopping. Yeah. And as you're talking there, I'm also thinking you mentioned uh, cuts, I believe. The word I would use as somebody who doesn't design clothing would be like the silhouette, the silhouettes for the girls, the nine-year-old girls. And I only say nine because my daughter's nine, but I I suspect it's definitely for the teenage girls as well. The clothing are tighter. They're slits where there doesn't necessarily need to be. And so I'm wondering there if there's like an early sexualization of girls going on with the clothes as young as nine, perhaps even younger, but I'm only starting now to pay attention to it. Let's talk about the other side. We've talked about a gendered wardrobe. How would you define a gender neutral wardrobe? And in your answer, I would love it if there are any benefits, research-backed benefits to a gender neutral wardrobe for kids that you could 
discuss. Absolutely. So one thing I wanted to address just before I go into the definition of gender neutral clothing is your point on sexualization. It is actually a really good one with clothing that's traditionally meant for girls. We'll often see it reflecting trends in women's wear. And that's really something that we've seen across fast fashion. Everything that's trendy for for women, it tends to sort of cascade down into what's trendy for girls, particularly because a lot of these fast fashion giants, so Shein, et cetera, um, H&M, Zara, they are operating on a two-week model where they design clothes so quickly and want to put them out onto the rack within two weeks of even having the concept and idea in their minds. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we'll see whatever is trending for women. And at the moment, that is crop tops, for example. I don't know if as a woman right now, I'm seeing a lot of cropped tops, which is a problem in itself for me because I prefer longer tops. But I'm seeing that translate down into clothing for girls as well. A lot of crop tops, a lot of sort of smaller, quite revealing tops. And that's definitely something that we see. And I think that is as a result of that cycle of fast fashion, essentially. Uh, but to your original question, what on the other hand is is gender neutral clothing? It's the exact opposite of that. So firstly, let's start with silhouette, the word that you used. Gender neutral clothing is focused on a fit that's not particularly close fit nor baggy. Oftentimes we'll see that it's quite boxy in cuts and quite classic. And it really sort of feeds itself into um, something that's a a real tenet of sustainability, which is timeless style. So we'll see a lot of timeless cuts, timeless silhouettes with gender neutral clothing. When it comes to colors, there's this whole movement right now, I don't know if you've heard of it, of sad beige child. (laughs) No, but I need to look it up. You need to look it up because there's lots of memes out there. But, you know, you'll see a lot of gender neutral clothing is often associated with a lot of beige, a lot of grays, a lot of whites. It doesn't have to be. You can be really into that. And that's cool that there's that level of sort of gender neutral color scheme. But actually, it doesn't have to be grays and beiges. It can be colorful. You can see a lot of gender neutral clothing that is actually made in primary colors, bright yellows and uh, blues and reds, but done in a very sort of colorful, cool style. You can see gender neutral clothing that is done in jewel tones. And actually at Treehouse, we've we've, uh, concocted our color scheme on nature-inspired colors, which are often correlating with jewel tones. So sort of sapphire blues and emerald greens. So Gender neutral clothing does not fit the mold of sort of traditionally girly or boyish colors, but it doesn't have to be boring. And then the other thing you'll see with gender neutral clothing is that there are no, you know, fuzzy um, ballet ballerina uh, bunnies on on the front in terms of print. And there are no angry looking dinosaurs on the T-shirts of the boys, right? There are no sort of angry looking animals. We, We see that a lot, by the way, with traditional boys clothing so prints and and designs that do not feature stereotypical gender roles so those are really the key facets i believe of a gender neutral wardrobe silhouettes cuts and design as you're talking there and you're mentioning the ballerinas and the angry dinosaurs i'm having an aha moment 
you know, if we don't want our daughters, for those of us who have girls, if we don't want our daughters to attach themselves to societal messaging that to be a girl means to be a pleaser, perhaps a performer, like a ballerina, to be good. And if we don't want our boys, if we are listening and we have sons, to be macho and manly and um, strong and perhaps angry, then why would we be putting them in these clothes that are not so subtly perpetuating these gender roles. You are absolutely right. And studies, for example, have shown that boys were less likely to help around the house, to help caregivers when wearing a stereotypically male outfit. And they felt more free to play with any toy when wearing a gender neutral outfit. So there is a very massive correlation between uh, what a child is wearing and one how they behave, and uh, also what they feel comfortable doing, which is huge. Hmm. Yeah, I have shivers because I honestly haven't really ever thought <laughs> of what we're talking about today all that much, aside from the fact that gendered clothing is really bad for the planet. It's often fast fashion. It can't be passed down as easily. The sequins, the frills, the things that fall off and are polluting. Um, those are all, you know, environmental issues. But if we talk specifically about the benefits of a gender neutral wardrobe for our children, do you have anything else to say there? Like, how would it benefit the kids of the parents who are listening? One thing that we can really think about when we start to think about gender neutral clothing and its impact on children is that it allows a level of self-exploration that is not as easy to do when your self-expression is dictated by what you wear. So it's almost starting with a blank slate and allowing your child to really think about themselves and think about what they like and think about um, how to sort of best reflect their own character without being given props to do so. There are also studies, for example, that link some of the designs that we see on this clothing um, with preconceptions of what a child believes that they should be. So some of these adorable, cutesy uh, bunnies and ballerinas uh, for example, oftentimes denote a submissive character. And right now we're all about, and I hope we are all about, our children being the most confident versions of themselves, able to go out there in the world and do what they really want to do, whether it be becoming a scientist or an engineer or whatever it might be. But really at, at this point, with the vast amounts or really the predominant amount of clothing being gendered, what we're doing is we are giving signals to our children uh, to limit who they can be and to perceive themselves a certain way. And that is the biggest argument I think we can make to parents. I think we can all agree on the fact that we don't want that. We want our children to think the sky's the limit, right? We want to um, make sure that they have all of the options out there to really explore who they want to be and to grow into understanding who they are over time and creating their own story. Yes, I think we can all jump on board with 
the fact that as parents or as grandparents, if there are grandparents listening, we don't want to fit the children in our lives into a box, the box being boy or girl, male or female. We want them to fully express themselves in a way that feels right for them. But what do you say to the parents and grandparents who are listening who would argue, yes, I'm on board with everything you both are saying, but the gendered clothes are just so cute and the gender neutral clothes are just so boxy and beige. Actually, that's a really good point. Look, I am not for eliminating all gendered clothes. I'll put it right out there straight away. There are going to be kids out there who just who love their uh, pink, frilly, sequiny stuff, who, and it really makes them happy. I'm not saying go in right now and purge that outfit. You know, <laughs> um, make sure that it never sees the light of day again. Um, absolutely not. And actually, that would go against the premise of sustainability, which is longevity. But I would say that. If we can do anything, it's to be more considerate of what we are either thrifting, because a lot of us thrift in the sustainability uh, movement, or what we are buying new. To be more considerate as you are making purchases of the types of decisions ultimately that you are kind of making for your children, right? With your own purchase. And I would say there is a heck of a lot of cute clothing in the gender neutral space. Yeah, some of it is beige um, and there's a space for that. Some people love that look and some kids love that look. But actually, there's really cute, really fun, super bright clothing that is also gender neutral. And there's such a whole world out there for you to explore and for your child to explore. And it's something new to discover. Yeah, just to back you up there, I would say, you know, when my children were younger, the aunts and uncles and grandparents in their lives love to just pick up an outfit when they were out on their travels, a super cute, this, a little frilly dress there. And, you know, that was very thoughtful of them. However, what I hear you saying, and what I would like to echo is that you can still buy for the children in your life. If you know, children's clothing is your thing. And if that's how you show them, you love them. But perhaps instead of going to Carter's or Macy's or wherever you do your shopping for kids clothes, perhaps you look out of the box and you peruse a more sustainable, perhaps more gender neutral brand uh, like yours, because you can still find something cute. You can still show the children you love them in your life. And you can be more sustainable as you shop. And so, Anastasia, we're going to take our quick break. But when we come back, I want to extend this conversation by talking about practical tips we can all take with us as we seek to be the best parents and grandparents that we can be when it comes to filling our children's wardrobes. We'll be right back. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. 
Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch. They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. And we're back. Today I am speaking with Anastasia Vasilyeva. I'm going to say it one more time because I feel like that wasn't my best effort. Vasilyeva. Yes, it's perfect. And everyone struggles with it. So it's, okay. <laughs> it's a beautiful name. Anastasia is the founder of Treehouse Kids, which is an ethically made and sustainably crafted kids clothing line. Anastasia, during the break, I was thinking about how this is a environmentally leaning podcast. However, I am sure that some people are listening right now and they're saying to themselves, yeah, um, maybe buying clothes that can be passed down to both a boy and a girl would be better for the planet, but I am still going to buy the stuff with the unicorns because they're cute. <laughs> Do you have anything to say to those of us listening who need a little bit more of a push with regard to the benefits of gender neutral clothes for the child and a child's development? I think if I was to leave parents and grandparents and caregivers with one thought that I hope would permeate their thinking about this, it would be that this period in a child's development is so very, very critical. I'll leave you with, on this point, a documentary and studies that were done by the BBC in 2017 that showed that gendered toys, clothes, activities, and language had a direct correlation to self-esteem in boys and girls. And when gendered toys, clothes, activities, and language were actively avoided, there was a strong correlation with improved self-esteem in both boys and girls. And what more could we want as caregivers? I think that speaks volumes. It's really about setting our children up for a world in which they are very happy 
and confident in themselves. And I think we can all agree on that. I think so. So let's transition our conversation to what we should be looking for when we're buying clothes for the children in our lives. And I want to preface this question by saying that in my experience, in my life, it seems as though all our efforts towards conscious consumption tend to get thrown out the window when it comes to kids' clothing because, oh, it's just so darn cute. The gendered stuff is just so adorable. Sailor outfits, unicorns on dresses, like just so cute. Instead of the cuteness, what on earth should we be looking for? So I really, really like this question because before I founded Treehouse, I was just a mum shopping for her boys and I really cared a lot about sustainability but I needed something quick to guide me because I was very, very busy and I didn't have a whole lot of time to shop. I was really overwhelmed by the choices out there. So what I figured out was that I needed to look at three key factors when I was shopping. The first of which was what's the style of the garment? What do I mean by that? Well, I mean, is the garment designed in a timeless way? Will it withstand trends and fads in fashion that so often govern fast fashion that we see, say, on the racks of Zara or Shein, etc. So for me, it was looking for classic and versatile pieces that would extend the lifespan of my boy's clothing and reduce the need for me to keep on buying new stuff and keeping on top of all of these trends. And again, that would also allow me to pass down that item to a sibling in a couple of years and it wouldn't be totally out of date and totally untrendy. Secondly, I looked at something that I call re-wearability. How re-wearable is that piece of clothing? Can it be easily incorporated into what you have at home already? Can it be mixed and matched with multiple options and outfits in your little one's wardrobe? So again, I'd be looking at pieces that were versatile, that allowed me to dress my boys in them for um, in many different outfits and in many different combinations. And that would allow me to ensure that that garment got a lot of use before I passed it on or donated it. And lastly, the third factor that I looked at was quality. For me, I started with looking at the fabric. Was it certified? Was it, for example, got certified organic? Or was it Ecotech certified? Those certifications really played as a good guidepost for understanding the quality and durability of a fabric. That was incredibly important for me because it ensured that I could know that my items were going to last longer. They would be uh, reducing my impact on the environment and also saving me money in the long run. And on that point, actually, a lot of parents 
oftentimes will say to me, look, but it's so expensive shopping sustainably. You know, why should I get organic cotton for my little one when he's just rolling around in the mud all day and ripping the <laughs> knees of his jeans? There was a study um, done by a group called RAP, and it really focused on children's clothing. And it concluded that investing in quality items leads to significant cost savings. It actually revealed that by choosing well-made garments for our children that withstand wear and tear, parents can reduce their spending on children's clothing by up to 50 percent, 50, five, zero, over a five-year period. And that statistic to me, at least, really emphasized that on top of all of the other benefits, there was also a clear financial advantage in choosing high-quality, durable, versatile clothing. And that's where gender neutrality again comes in, clothing that's versatile and rewearable. And it really demonstrated that being sustainable can benefit everyone, not just the environment, not just the workers who make our clothing society at large, but also even our own pockets. As you're talking there, Anastasia, I'm thinking back to a conversation I had with Erin Polowai. She's the founder of My Green Closet. It was one of the first episodes I ever recorded I'll link to it in the show notes with an asterisk next to it because it was, again, one of my first episodes and it probably wasn't <laughs> the best. But Erin in that episode had made a really powerful point that has stuck with me throughout the last four or five years. And that is that clothes are rapidly becoming just another disposable item that we buy and then either pass on or throw out without much regard to what happens to it. And when she said that the first time, it was quite concerning to me because what the heck? Clothing? Like, shouldn't that be something that we keep around for many kids for many years? But with regard to gendered clothing, it's often fast fashion, it's cheaply made, it's highly gendered. So the chances that not only can we pass it down, but do we pass it down? Because again, the highly gendered stuff may not be wanted by every child. I'm thinking about my oldest child who wants nothing pink or with frills or with unicorns or ballerinas. And so I think that if we really want to confront the disposability problem as it relates to clothing, if we really want to do something about that, if it bothers us and we really want to do something about it, it starts with stepping away from the gendered stuff and especially stepping away from the gendered fast fashion. By the way, the fast fashion in kids' clothing is almost always gendered. So stepping away from one means stepping away from both. But it's on us. It's on us to say, yeah, this is cute but I'm all good. I do not need to buy this. And so that's for the parents listening who, let's be real, the parents already know. It's for the grandparents. It's for the aunts and uncles and friends who tend to buy clothes for the kids in their lives because clothes are cute. Like, why not all of us right now just 
stop it. (laughs) Because older kids know what they want, and they have very specific tastes. And younger kids, younger kids don't care at all, which means they don't care if they get a hand-me-down, and they don't care about your gift (laughs) either, do they? So I think it starts by just not buying, as so many of these environmental problems come to. It starts by not buying. Anastasia, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I enjoyed every second of talking to you, and I wish the best of luck to Treehouse Kids. Listeners, show notes are at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 387. We'll be back on Thursday. I'll see you then. Let's cut this short today because time is precious. I'll see you Thursday and take care. Three, we will be back on Thursday. I'll see you then. Reach out if you need me and take care.